40 years, during his time of the Exodus, he learned that God was everything. Well, we do well not to take uh, that much time to learn those lessons. We do well to learn them quickly. But he finally learned that God was everything. Tonight, if there's anything, I, I preached last night getting in through the doggy door. And, uh, but really, the message was just one sentence. Uh, I preached the whole message just for one sentence. And it's a sentence I believe that every church, and, and ours included, we just need to get to God any way we can. Today, in the world we're living in, we, we, can, we can spend hours on end talking about all of this stuff. But where I believe we're failing, we're not getting along and spending five minutes talking to God about this stuff. So we need to get to God no matter how we do it. And, and uh, Moses certainly learned that lesson. Let me give you three things that measures his life. And it's uh, faith and, and this journey of courageous faith. And he did have a courageous faith. And uh, we say, number one, a willingness that measured his life. A willingness that measured his life. Moses is seen in his willingness that measured his life as he accepted God's plan, purpose, and program. Now, I want you to notice Moses was willing. And by the way, if you have courageous faith, it will be a willingness on your part. God's not going to make us do anything. God's not a tyrant. I don't serve a tyrant. But boy, if we give him a willingness and a desire by faith to serve him and love him, he'll take that willingness and do monumental stuff with it. Notice with me, there was a willingness to embrace separation. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. I love this verse. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. The very beginning of Moses' life was marked by separation. His birth embraced separation. And there's something about separation uh, God is pleased with. We're told that when he was born, he was hid three months. The Bible says he was a proper child, which means exceedingly fair. His parents recognized there was just something different and great about Moses. Not just, uh, we, we all think our babies are great and, and cute and, and special, and they are. They are. But no, there was something spiritual greatness about this man called Moses. And his parents recognized that. And his parents' name was Amram and Jochebed. And uh, we know that they hid him for three months. Finally, he got so big and crying, they couldn't hide him. So you know the story. They put him in a, in a basket and put him in a bulrushes. And then, matter of fact, that basket of bulrushes means a basket of willingness. 
there was not only a willingness on the part of Moses, can I say there was a willingness on the part of the parents to give this child to God and believe God to do something great and believe God to keep him safe and believe God to do something wonderful with his life. There was a willingness on Moses' part, but a willingness on the parents as well. Not only his birth embraced separation, his behavior embraced separation. Are you listening? Are we listening? By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. One day, Pharaoh's daughter's bathing. She sees a little basket. She hollers for one of her servants to go get the basket. She opens it up, and it's one of the Hebrew children. I believe God pinched him about that time, and he starts crying. And that motherly, that uh, uh, female uh, ability to comfort, she picks him up, and, and immediately she decides, I'm going to adopt this little boy. I, I just love God. You know he's got a sense of humor. She, the Pharaoh said, well, listen, we've got to have somebody to take care of this child. Somebody, uh, one of the servants said, I know who can take care of it. So they got Moses' mother, Jochebed, paid her to take care of her own son. How many ladies would like that? Amen. They paid her. But one day, as he grew, they adopted him as a son of Pharaoh's uh, daughter. But Moses knew. Now, the Bible doesn't record how this was done. So we just have to kind of use a little common sense. Jochebed's got this little boy. She's talking to him every day. As he gets older, she starts telling him about his lineage, about his family. She starts talking to him, no doubt never divulging that she was in fact his mother. There probably come a time she told him, but not for a while, but she's telling him about the fact he would be, how he was saved and how his life was protected. What she told him was how God had preserved him, how God had kept him safe, how God had moved and worked, how God, oh, what a great thing to be talking to you youngins about. Wow, great things God done. When God does something great in your family, you ought to get all the youngins around, cut off all the computers, the phones, everything, and say, youngins, listen, let me tell you what God did today in our family. So she begins to tell him as he gets older, he knew quickly that if he was going to be used of God, he could, had to separate himself from Egypt. By the way, let me say this. You cannot be used of God lined up with the world. Don't work. Never has. If we're going to be used by God, it takes a separation. Not only uh, embrace separation, but notice a willingness to endure suffering. He, you got to understand, Moses 
had been adopted into the family as a son of Pharaoh. For him to go in and say, Hey, Pharaoh, I'm not going to be your son, meant he would have to suffer for the choice he'd made. And the choice to embrace a separation from Egypt meant the consequences of doing suffering in Egypt. Choose it rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. One of the things that I'm seeing now, if you want to serve God, there's going to be people that don't like you. If you serve God, somebody's going to be critical. And by the way, let, let me just say this. Don't want to hurt your feelings, but uh, uh, we, we've got to get a little thicker hide than what we got. We carry our feelings on our shoulders, and somebody don't do what we like. We all pout. We've we got to grow up. We've got to get over that stuff because uh, there may be some rough waters ahead, and we need real Christians that stand up and say, regardless of what you do, how you act, I'm going to choose to be a Christian. And they may have to suffer persecution. And we not suffer persecution. Now, don't get me wrong. You ain't, well, bless God, I just tell you. I checked about, about that. You, you, we don't know suffer. We have never suffered persecution. Persecution is when a truckload of people drive up with rifles and jump out and say, listen, if you go in there, I'm going to shoot you. Now you say, oh, that ain't going to happen. It happens around this world. As a matter of fact, there are some countries right now, if you profess Christianity, they'll cut your head off and think nothing about it. Believe they're doing their God a favor. So we, we realize he learned, he endured and suffered. He endured suffering. The word suffer affliction is better translated to have bad times with. Moses chose to have bad times over good times. Now listen, Moses chose to have bad times over good times so he could fulfill God's purpose for his life. Are you listening? Moses chose to have bad times for a while so he could have God's best down the road. Dr. James Kennedy said this, if you don't avoid the bait, you'll end up on the hook. Amen? Moses was willing to embrace separation to endure suffering. Notice number three, to experience satisfaction. Moses' reason for embracing separation and enduring suffering is found in the desire to experience satisfaction. Notice, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater uh, greater riches than the treasures in heaven, for he had respect and the recompense of the reward. Here's what he basically said. He said, I weighed everything. And by the way, being a son of Pharaoh, he would have been next in line for the kingdom and all of its wealth. But you know what he decided? He decided, I'm better off if I'll serve God and, and get the riches of glory instead of having the temporary uh, wealth of this day. 
May I remind you, are you listening to me? May I remind you, we're selling out too cheap. We sell out God's day. We sell out too cheap. We're just selling out too cheap. And what's really sad, we're selling out our God. We're selling out our God. And then what's really sad, we're selling out our children. We don't understand why they don't love God and love church and love the things of God. Hey, I tell you why we're selling it out. We don't we don't deem that that the, what we get in the future is be greater than what the price we're paying now. We're going to say no, no, I, I can't do that. It's just too hard. And so we're selling out. He experienced. We was willing to embrace a separation endure suffering, and experience a a satisfaction. Notice number two. Not only a willingness that measured his life, and I love this, a worship that magnified his life. In verse 27 and 28, we see not only a willingness, but the worship of Moses. First of all, God's revelation to Moses By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This whole pandemic mask could change overnight. Not the lost world. I don't expect it from them. They're lost. But this whole thing could change if a Christian, the so-called Christians, say they're Christians, say they've been born again, could learn to see Him who is invisible other than what they're seeing around them. They can't see Him. They see the newscast. They see this. They see this. They see this. How about it? This is bad. This is bad. They see everything, but they never see him who is invisible. They never get a glimpse of him. And that is so sad. That's so sad. All the devil has to say, boo! And they run high like roaches when lights turn on. I mean, it's terrible. It's sad, but Moses got a revelation from, from God. And God says, he said, he said, as seeing him who is invisible. I mean, he fled to Midian, stayed on the backside of that desert for 40 years. He had taken matters in his own hands. He killed an Egyptian, buried him in the sand. And the Bible says he remained there for 40 years. And you know what's sad? In that 40 years time, what was God doing on the backside of that desert? He's teaching Moses to see him who is invisible. And when the Lord showed up, and he did show up in a burning bush, oh, I want you to know Moses' heart was ready. We need to understand, we're not told here that Moses saw God but rather endured as seeing 
God. By faith, he believed God so much, even if he didn't see him, he believed he was there. And by the way, he is. I've never seen God, but I know he's real. I've never seen salvation, but I know I have it. I've never seen the blood of Christ, but I know he washed my sins away. I've never seen heaven, but I'm going. Looking for a city in whose foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He's seen God's revelation to Moses. We see God's redemption of Moses. Through faith, he kept the Passover, sprinkling of the blood. That's he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. You know what he done? Moses, by faith, remembered that night when God came through and he said, get all your families together and take the blood and put it on the lintels and on the doorpost. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. He remembered how that God came through just like he said he would. And the firstborn of every everything that where the blood was not applied was taken and their family was kept safe. He remembered that night that God redeemed them from Egypt's, the Egyptian bondage. That was the night death came to the house of Pharaoh, his firstborn. That was the night the blood was shed and sprinkled. They, and we are to never forget what God has done for us. I walked in last night. That's a beautiful building and beautiful church. And, and, and the first thing I told them, I said last night, didn't tell them, I said, don't get over it. Don't get over it. I, I really thought about doing this. I thought about doing this. I thought about going down here and saying, I need to rent your, the little white church for one Sunday. And announcing we'd have church down for one Sunday. And pack everybody in that building. And I, and I half working in the air conditioner and sweating just to pouring. So you know why we would appreciate what God's given us. You know how much we can get, we can get so accustomed to something we can get over it. I don't want to get over when God called me to preach. I don't want to get over when God put me full-time ministry. I don't want to get over what God is doing in my life right now. And you know what's sad? We get over it. And when we get over it, we're always looking around for something else, something, something else, something more. God, God do something more, something more instead of being satisfied. And it done. Redemption, God's redemption to Moses. I submit unto you that there's one day we should never get. It's a day that God saved us by His marvelous grace. I need everybody to look straight up at me. Tell me why should Jesus let you in heaven? Why should Jesus let you in to heaven? Well, I do this and this and this. Okay? Why should he?
shouldn't. He shouldn't. As a matter of fact, if I was him, I probably wouldn't let me in. That's the reality of it. You know why? Because our, our righteousness is filthy rags. I'm going to tell you what, and I don't know who, what your life is, but I'm going to tell you something. The way we, we behave sometimes as Christians, we cuss like the act like the world, talk like the world. I mean, wickedness and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the ungodliness that goes on at times, and then we claim we know Christ. I want to ask you a question. How, how do you do that? They, I, I'm, I'm honest with you. I'm, I'm alarmed with that because... But when God saved me, He changed my mind about some things. See, we just need to get real. As a matter of fact, I tell you what this pandemic has done. Are you listening? Are you listening? I tell you what this pandemic has done. He's brought to the surface what's real and what's not real. It's brought to the surface genuine faith. And those that don't have no faith. It is brought to the surface realness. May I say, I think it's going to continue to do that. Amen. A willingness that measured his life. A worship that magnified his Lord. But then last of all. And I want you to get this. A witness that marked his loyalty. Because of the witness, the willingness that measured his life, and a worship that witness that marked the loyalty to Christ. I mean, he got God's power to do, to perform the impossible by faith. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. As by dry ground, which the Egyptians are said to do were drowned. That Red Sea miracle has been called the victory of faith. It was something that could not be explained, only experienced. Can I say that again? It was something that could not be explained, only experienced. It was something out of the hand of man, but in the but but in the hand of man. Literally, I, I love his story. Fellows on a bus, he just got saved. He hadn't been saved long. He's reading his Bible. And that's a good thing to do, to read your Bible. And he comes to this passage and he said, Well, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Skeptic heard him. Asked him, said, what are you so excited about? He said, I'm reading how God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites crossed. Man, that was some miracle. Well, the scoffer said, that wasn't a miracle. He didn't cross over on the Red Sea. He crossed over on the Reed Sea and it ain't but about six inches deep. That wasn't no miracle. The fellow said, well, didn't know that. So he kept on reading, and about that time he said, Well, hallelujah, glory to God. It's better than what I thought. He came back and said, well, What are you shouting about now? 
He said, I just read where Pharaoh's army was drowned in six inches of water. Here's the miracle. God did drown them. Think about it. There was three to three and a half million Jews. As that, it's been calculated that for that many people to cross in one night, they would have had to cross 5,000 abreast. Literally, that would have required the waters parting for three miles. I don't know why I'd always envisioned this, just the waters parting, they all went on, you know. Three miles. Someone said, how'd God do it? Well, I got Bible to tell you how he done it. Exodus 15, 8. With the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together, the flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. God blew his nose. That's how he done it. That's it. He blew his nose. I mean, that's true. That's what he said. I'm not trying to be funny. He blew his nose and the water point for three miles. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. God's promise, power to perform the impossible. Oh, tonight, tonight, everybody look this way. I would to God we get a hold of this thing that God can do the impossible. He's not quit being God. I know it. Some of you sitting right in this building and you take your situation and you know what you then decided? Devil's told you there ain't no way God can fix this. And you believed him. There's folks sitting in this room right tonight I mean men and women that ought to say, I know God can do the impossible, and yet they're sitting right here and they're defeated because they've done decided God can't care for my situation. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Tell you a little secret. Tell you the reason why that is. I'm going to shock you. Are you listening? You're going to get a great truth here. God to fix it he's not going to change your situation you won't change reason it don't get fixed because he's trying to change you I'm not talking about something I think is good I've lived this I spent four years of praying about a matter waiting for God to change others to change circumstances I've, I've asked God to forgive me so I'll ask you now I did pray a couple times Lord don't you won't you want to open up the earth and do that swallowing business like you did in Old Testament one time for a few that's terrible ain't pray something like that what I realized after four years of praying that away God didn't change them didn't change my circumstance he 
changed me. When he changed me, he gave me the greatest truth and helped me so much. And your wife, your husband, that's the problem. You can't change nobody else. All you can do is change yourself. And you can decide what you're going to do with God, what you believe about God, and live for God. And if you don't make a decision about what you're going to do, they will. It's that simple. Moses here said this. Moses said he believed God's promise to the impossible. But then God's promise to possess the inevitable. The close of Moses' life, it seems tragic. God says, hey Moses, you struck that rock when I told you to hit that rock. See, that rock was Jesus. And, and I told you to strike, I speak to it, but you struck it. So you're not going to enter into the promised land. He takes him up on the Mount Nebo. He lets him look over and see it, but he never lets him enter it. But don't feel too bad for Moses. The next time we see him, notice a time of grievous disappointment ended in a glorious destiny. In Luke chapter 9, verse 30, and behold, there were two, uh, there, were, there talked with him two men which were Moses and Elias. Now, God's talking about transfiguration. We took disciples up and he was transformed and they saw God in his glory. The last time we seen Moses, he was up on the mountain and the Lord's telling him, take a look, but you're not going to go in. But I want you to know something. He's in the presence of God and got to see God's glory. Don't, don't feel too bad about for Moses. He'll be okay. He'll be all right. What happened was, he may have not been allowed to see the physical, temporal promised land, but Moses was allowed to see the spiritual, eternal promised land. All right? God rewarded his willingness, his worship, and his witness by allowing him a vision, a glimpse of God's finished work. Wow. Wow. Someone wrote this. Trust Him when dark clouds assail thee. Trust Him when thy faith is small. Trust Him when to simply trust Him seems the hardest thing of all. Although the life of uh, a child of God may call for times of sadness and sorrow and suffering, but I want you to know there's times of, there will be times of hardness, not happiness, bitterness, not sweetness, but amidst of all of that, I'd rather be a Christian than anything I know. And this courageous faith is a faith that surrenders. The greatest thing Moses had to learn, and it would, it would transform a life here. Anyone here, if they could learn this lesson tonight, is just to surrender. He had to surrender his will for God's will. He argued like we do. I can't talk good. God said, shut up. Take your brother with you. And isn't it amazing when he took his brother with him, his brother never did speak. Moses done all the talking. He made excuses. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't. God said, shut up and go because he recognized he had to surrender his will for God's will. I want God's will for my life. I want God's will for this church.
It's for God's will for this church and God's will for your life. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you